are listening to Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is your host and Livin. Welcome to Ukraine 242, an exploration of the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine, featuring key people on the ground in Ukraine and around the world. I am Anne Levine, reporting from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Our guest is Oleksandr Muzienko, a Ukrainian military analyst head of the NGO Center for Military and Legal Studies, and co-founder of the National Political Academy of Ukraine. We spoke on a wide range of topics, including the second bombing of the Kerch Bridge, Russian mercenary groups, and the protection of Ukrainian art that has not yet been stolen or destroyed by Russian marauders. Alexander Mosienko, welcome to Ukraine 242. Hello, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. There was, of course, an explosion of the Karch Bridge to Crimea. What can you tell us about that and who's responsible? I suppose that responsible could be Ukrainian Navy and Ukrainian Service of Security, our secret service, yes, our special unit, special forces. I suppose that uh, they try to do this because Russians are using courage breach like um, main logistical uh, route to Crimea from Russia to occupied Crimea. And they are moving a lot of tanks, uh, missiles, military vehicles, arms, uh, you know, a lot of shells. They are moving by this bridge. And then they moved from Crimea to occupy southern territory in Ukraine, where Ukrainian forces continue counteroffensive operations. So I suppose that the main goal of the destruction of the Kravich Bridge to cut and to broke up logistic line to Crimea from Russia. And um, of course, we can see that uh, railroad on the bridge line there keep safe and uh, they will continue and Russians will continue to use this uh, rail line uh, on the bridge. But uh, what I can see and what I can think that probably in the future we will see some repeat of Ukrainian attacks. It's very hard to do because Russians they protect very well this bridge but as we can see ukrainian forces tried to do this and have some success and of course in this case we need to understand that this bridge is not the bridge for civil people of course some civil people they are using this bridge but the main uh, thing why this bridge was constructed that the main uh, thing is that it was constructed for the militarization of crimea was the Russian preparation for aggression against Ukrainians and uh, occupation of our territory. So that's why we need to understand that this breach is the legal uh, military goal, legal military aim for Ukrainian forces, even in the accordance to the international humanitarian law. How is the counteroffensive going? 
I think that Ukrainian forces try to break up logistic lines on the whole occupied territory, especially uh, on southern part and especially in Crimea, where Ukrainian forces continue counteroffensive. So what I can say is that we can see right now how Ukrainian forces destroy uh, military objects and Russian stockpiles with weapons on the occupied territory. We are using Storm Shadow missile, we are using our military jets, and also we are using our artillery. And of course, we have some hope that with the American assistance and uh, with uh, also cluster munitions, we will see some progress. And so that will help for Ukrainian counteroffensive. But what uh, I need to say is that for our goal to broken all logistic line, we need to have more weapons and of course, probably some missiles like uh, attack MS, yes, for MLRS launchers that we are using HIMARS and different other weapons and will help us if United States government will give us this. So we are trying to do all the best to broke logistic lines. But I need to say that this destruction of Crimean bridge will help to for Ukrainian counteroffensive. But uh, I think that Russians, they will try to use other logistic ways, logistic routes, and also they will try to reuse and they will try to rebuild and they will try to repair to fix Kerch bridge and then use it in the future. But also, however, I think that we will see similar strikes on this bridge in the future. I think that Ukrainians will try to break this logistic line definitely. There is controversy about cluster bombs mm -hmm. that have already been used by Russia and that are being delivered from the United States. What can you tell us about that? I understand this because, you know, uh, what I can say, I'm a little bit unhappy because of this, and I can explain why. From one point of view, I understand that uh, we need to have artillery shells, and uh, we need to have them a lot because Russians are using a lot, and we need to protect and we need to have a lot of shells for counter battery and for our uh, opportunities and well i think that these munitions will help for ukrainian forces to destroy the first line of uh, defense and will help for our counteroffensive. i am confident in this but also i understand that we will have some consequences of using these cluster munitions in the future and of course, this all will be in our in our ground, in our land. We understand this. So uh, when we are talking about cluster munitions, I'm really appreciate and Ukrainians appreciate for United States for this help because it's that's we need this right now. That's very important. But also I understand all risks that will be in the future. And of course, uh, I understand that also in the future years we will have a lot of problems with these uh, munitions and mines on the ground, yes, in the future. So that's very important. So I understand this. And also we are here in Ukraine expect that our Western partners and also Americans will help us with this demining because it could be a problem. And this demining came not just because of Ukrainians, not because of American assistance, not because of American cluster munitions. That came because of Russian aggression, full-scale invasion to Ukraine. Because Russians, they using cluster munitions. 
and they are using a lot. And what I can say is that they are still using this cluster munitions. Russians will just strike us, they will just destroy our cities, they will kill our civil people. That's very dangerous. And so we need weapons to protect ourselves. So I think that in this case, that's very fair in this situation, if Ukrainian will get this cluster munition. And we expect that we will have better progress in our counteroffensive with the cluster munitions user. To the best of your knowledge, where is the Wagner mercenary group and what are they doing? Well, we are calling them terrorist group, you know, that's terrorist mercenary group, it's terrorist organization, Wagner group there now located, some of them located on the occupied Ukrainian territory. Uh, that's uh, uh, Lugansk Oblast and Donetsk Oblast on the occupied territory. They are still there. They are not in warfare, they are not in battle, but they are still in some military camps on the Ukrainian occupied territory. Some of the Wagner groups, they are on Russian territory near Rostov right now, and some Wagner's uh, mercenaries, they are moving to Belarus. They built their military camp in the central part of Belarus. And also, uh, Army of Belarus signed a contract with Wagner Group, that Wagner's group will teach Belarus Army. They will provide some military exercise together. Lukashenko expects that Wagner groups will be for him like his own bodyguards his own army, his own Praetorian Guard. And that's because Lukashenko doesn't confident in his own army. When Ukrainian will win, or Ukrainian will be close to this win in this war, the situation could be changed in Belarus. So that's why I think that Lukashenko is a little bit afraid, and that's why he needs uh, Wagner's mercenaries. He expects that they will be protect him, and probably he will move with them to Russia in the future or, or something like this. So now we observe that a few hundreds to 1,000 Wagner's mercenaries already on the territory of Belarus. And also we will see how much of them will travel to Africa, to the Central Africa where they have a contract with some governments where Russians have, and we will see them there. So I can conclude this like this. Wagner's group uh, right now divided for three parts. One part on the occupied Ukrainian territory, but I expect that probably they will move to Belarus also, because they are not in warfare still. And second part, they are on Belarus already with Prigozhin. And the third part, they will go to African countries. Do you think that Prigozhin and the Wagner group are more of a threat to Ukraine or to Putin? I think that they are no uh, threat to Ukraine. Because you know that Ukrainian army has experience how to fight with uh, Wagner's. And you know that Ukrainian army killed a lot of Wagner's. They lost a lot of people, especially near Bakhmut last winter. So we have experience how to fight with them already. Of course, we understand that it could be dangerous for us if a lot of mercenaries from Wagner Group will be in Belarus. That's why we uh, provide military exercise of Ukrainian army and Ukrainian National Guard uh, and police and special forces 
near the border with Belarus. Also, we build defense line there on the border and we are not afraid. But uh, of course, we are looking, uh, we are providing intelligence, we observe the situation, we have negotiations and conversation with our partners because of this, with our neighbors, Poland and Lithuania from the Western, from NATO, because they are feeling this threat because of Wagner's group there. So we are preparing for different scenarios, but we have experience, we are not afraid. But what I can say about Russians and Russian government, and of course, Putin can feel this threat of Wagner's group, not just because of Prigozhin. That's because of the situation, because uh, some generals and officers in the Russian army support what Prigozhin did and what Prigozhin said. They do not have uh, enough weapons, they do not have enough artillery shells, and so on, and so on, and so on. And that's why we can see that nowadays, a lot of Russian officers are assigned. I think that this is the consequences of what Prigozhin did. So probably in the future we will see some repeating of this situation. I'm not sure that it will be Prigozhin. Could be someone else. Maybe former Russian generals, former Russian officers, because they are not happy because of the Russian policy. So probably they can repeat what Prigozhin did. Or alternatively, what I think is that Russian Minister of Defense Shoigu has more power. And right now he has some private military company in Ministry of Defense, like Wagner groups. And also he will create reserve army, army of reservists in Russia. And he will use them. So probably we will see that Shoigu with Gerasimov will try to use this situation and move Putin from the authority and they will take the power probably so we will see there are other such russian mercenary groups like wagner like shrego yeah. yeah. what can yeah, you tell I, us about them right now in ukraine we have different private military companies in in actions from russia for example storm storms that race veteran and so on in different companies they were created by Russian uh, Ministry of Defense and Russian officers. They travel into prisons across Russia and they take the prisoners from the jails. And then these prisoners, they are signing contracts with these private military groups and the Russians commanders, they are using these prisoners like assault groups in actions, in battles. So Russians are still using prisoners for assaulting groups. And as I know, the last year they made three or four waves recruiting these prisoners in a jail. They are using them still a lot. Also, they are trying to invite people in different Russian regions. And they are telling that, look, you will have a good salary, uh, you will have a good contract, you need to go and fight in action and everything will be fine, you will return a hero here to Russia, and a lot of them already killed. They didn't finish their contracts for six months. So yes, Russians, they are using a lot of mercenary groups with, with the prisoners. How important are these groups to Putin in concert with the official Russian military? 
they lost a lot of people during this war and I think that they need new soldiers. Of course, they mobilized people last autumn and winter, but they are not enough. And probably Putin doesn't want to announce another mobilization in Russia. So that's why right now they try to use prisoners and private military companies for assaulting. They continue using them, but if they will continue in this way, prisoners will finish. So where they will get the people. So they need to announce mobilization to have new people. And this experience of war showed to us that there are not so many volunteers in Russia. So that's why they are using prisoners. They are thinking that they will not disturb the citizens in Russia. And the citizens will be okay. They will not be angry versus uh, our victory. So that's why they are using prisoners. And there are enough prisoners in Russia to equip all of these different groups? Uh, I don't know exactly the numbers of these prisoners, but what me and my colleagues see right now and the information that they have right now from this front line that they still have enough right now. And they have prisoners who signed contracts May, June this year. They are in action already. So they are continue this company. I'm not sure that will be continue in the future, but what I can see and I know, at least for this moment, they have enough. Right now, they have different private military companies with the prisoners. But what will be in the future, we will see. You are listening to Ukraine 242. Our guest is Oleksandr Musyanko, the head of the Center for Military and Legal Studies. In this segment, we discuss the protection of Ukraine's art and archives from Russian aggressors. This is Anne Levine reporting for the Pacifica Network from WOMR, Provincetown, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us. Alexander, shifting focus here. There is much concern about protecting Ukraine's art and archives. What is being done to protect these priceless artifacts? What I've noticed and what I can see is that Russians just stole a lot of Ukrainian arts and just robbed our museums and libraries and our theaters. Like examples is the situation in Kherson. When Russian forces withdrew from Kherson, they took a lot of artifacts from local museums and they took bones from Potomkin, one of the founder of Kherson, and so on and so on. They stole a lot. And of course, that's the problem. This problem came after occupation of Crimea. For example, we can see that Russians destroyed Skovoroda Museum near Kharkiv. They destroyed different museums in on the occupied territory. And they took a lot, probably like Nazi Germans during World War II. They did the same. So, of course, in the, on the territory 
which we are control here on the non-occupied part of Ukraine. I know that our museum directors, our local uh, authorities, and also our Ministry of Culture, and also our army, they are doing all that they can in case of evacuation, in the case how to protect on the special storages, and so on. We are trying to do this and also we are trying to protect our monuments here in Kyiv in different cities and so on. But of course we have a huge problem on the occupied territory because if Russians stole something from the museums, they just demolished. You mentioned Nazi Germany. There's been talk all along about the Azov Battalion and nationalistic map that they've been using. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, you know, Russians often try to say, just look, Ukrainians, uh, they have some Nazi or nationalistic groups and right-wing groups uh, and so on and so on. But that's not true. In Ukraine, we have right now different military groups in our regular army structure or in our national guard structure. We do not have any private military groups, we do not have any mercenaries, and we do not have any volunteer groups in army or in the system of National Guard. When you are going to Ukrainian army and when you are in Ukrainian National Guard, you need to sign the oath that you will do everything according to Ukrainian constitution and according to Ukrainian legal systems. And of course, According to Ukrainian constitution and our laws, in Ukraine, Nazi groups, also communist groups are prohibited. So we are doing all accordance to this. But when we look on Russian example, you know why Wagner group calling Wagner group? Because Hitler liked Wagner and also one of the founder, one of the Wagner commander right now, Utkin, and a lot of mercenaries in Wagner group they are like Nazis. I saw some interviews and they just said that they liked Hitler and so on and so on. So they have a lot of Nazis group, private groups, mercenaries group, far-right groups fighting with the Russian army against Ukraine. They have far-right groups in their structure. Why they accused Ukrainians here in Ukraine? We are not fighting with nationalistic or far-right groups. I think that their accusation, that's just a lie. Do you think that Belarus is a significant threat to Ukraine? A lot of people from Belarus are not supporting war against Ukraine. They're not supporting Lukashenko and Putin. And some Belarus citizens, they are right now in actions on the eastern part of Ukraine, helping for Ukrainian army in our international region. But, of course, to finish this war, till the time that Lukashenko will be a president, till the time that Putin will be a president, Belarus will be continuing a threat. You know, this is my dream. Free Ukraine, free democracy Ukraine and Ukraine that will have a victory against Russian aggression and also free democracy Belarus. Because I think that people in Belarus, they deserve better life. And they showed this in the example in 2020 when they protested in Minsk in different cities against Lukashenko and the election results. 
So I'm confident that Belarus will be free democracy state in the future. But till the time, we will think about Belarus like a threat. And also we are prepared if some Russian forces or Wagner's or someone else of Belarus will try to move on Ukraine and will try to provide aggression from Belarus territory, we will protect ourselves. In a fortune teller role, how long do you think this ground war will go on? Probably till the end of this year, uh, if everything will be fine. And if the strong Western support will be continued, strong support from United States, from our European partners, I expect that Ukrainian forces can liberate and can deoccupy a lot of territory on the southern part of Ukraine. And till the end of this year, we can be near Crimea borderline. And that will be a good scenario. And then I expect that in the next year, we will see that Ukrainian forces will be continue to liberate uh, a territory which will be still occupied by Russians. But I expect that the success of Ukrainian army on the ground will bring some changes to, to Russia, to the Kremlin so-called allies. Maybe we will see uh, the new cope. Maybe something will change. Maybe uh, Russians will think that we need to remove Putin from the presidency and so on. And that will be the point that the war could end faster. But in the second scenario, I can see that this war could be even in the next year. Of course, the main goal just to finish this war with our common victory. So we will see. Well, Alexander Musienko, I appreciate you very much taking the time Thank to you speak to Thank me. You. I have one quick personal question. Yeah. At the yeah. end at the end of every broadcast when we read the mm -hmm. credits, um, we use a song underneath to fade out. Is there anything in particular you'd like us to play? I I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe maybe you will choose and I will listen to the songs that you choose. Okay, you great. Much. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much. Good. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Have a nice day. Bye bye. Yeah, bye. Bye bye. Танкисти сховались кучі, щоб лавтим посорбати Товпані щі та трохи у щах перегрівся на бар Байрактар 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 By the Ukrainian army Thank you to our guest, Oleksandr Musienko You can follow him on Twitter at Musienko underscore O. That's M-U-S-I-I-E-N-K-O underscore O. That's M-U-S-I-I-E-N-K-O underscore O. 
Editing, Ursula Rudenberg. Recording, Michael Levine. To see pictures of our guests and to access our library of our previous shows, go to ukraine242.com. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week on Ukraine 242. Пропаганду кремлівські урод, слова пропаганди ковтає народ, тепер нове слово знає цар. Байрактар. 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 Байрактар.